You're listening to the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiasts, presented by me, Daniel Axerhouse. Listen whilst folding washing, doing your day-to-day commute, or even whilst you're faffing around trying to change your exhaust. Whatever you're doing, I promise to make your day a little less boring, with some fun and interesting motor talk. Anyway, engage launch control, it's time for the Piston Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the second series of the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiast, recorded today on the 8th of November, uh, remember it's Sunday actually, um, 2020. Welcome along to a bit of a motorcycle special. Now, you probably all tuned in hoping for some supercar action and some, you know, four-wheeled cars, because that's what we've done on this podcast since it started back in December last year. But... We're going to change it up a bit, because obviously, motorbikes have pistons, trains have pistons, I think, I don't know anything about trains, aeroplanes have pistons, so why not change it up a bit? This week is going to be motorcycle heaven for motorcycle enthusiasts, because it's full of motorcycles. I don't think there's going to be a single car mentioned in this podcast, so if if you really hate motorbikes, and you are simply just a car enthusiast... Maybe this isn't the podcast for you, and you should go listen to Smith and Sniff or something like that, something more car-related. If you are a motorbike enthusiast and you are new to the podcast, welcome along. If this goes well and people actually like it and engage, then who knows, there may be more motorcycles. Actually, there will be more motorcycles to come in the future. Uh, If you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the Piston Podcast, or follow it if you're on that platform. Share it with your friends. Uh, leave a positive review, blah, 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 do all of the other bits, and follow me on social media at DanielCars05. That was going to be one of the very few times I'm going to mention the word cars, but it's just in my username, so forgive me. Right, normally at this point, we'd start off with some four-wheeled news, but no, we're not going to do it. For the first time in the Piston podcast history, we're going to start with some two-car, two-car, no, not two-cars, two-wheeled news, there we go. So, I'm probably a bit rusty on motorbikes, and I understand that. It's only been about a year or two I've actually got into them. So, forgive me, but you know what? I'm going to try my best with the little motorcycle knowledge I have to entertain you all at home, on your sofas, in your... in your... not cars, on your motorbikes, maybe, in your intercom systems or whatever. So let's get started with it. The Ducati Multistrada V4... Uh, looks set to be a two-wheeled continent crusher. There's a picture in front of me. And I've got to say, with styling, Ducati is absolutely crushing it at the moment. I'm sure you uh, know that Volkswagen own Ducati. But Volkswagen have been considering selling the brand along with Lamborghini. I mean, it's it's really bonkers news. Um, it could be good for Ducati. It could not be. But we'll just have to wait and see, really. But Ducati are doing really fantastic. People that like motorcycles and people that are familiar with Drive Tribe will know of Tim Rohde. Now, Tim Rohde's a motorcycle nut. He likes cars and stuff like that. And he has a Ducati Hypermotard um, that he, he swapped for his uh, 1100 uh, motorcycle racing thing. And that Hypermotard is epic. It's really epic. Because it's a mixture of a sports bike, a cruiser, a bit of a dirt bike, all in one with a lovely, lovely engine. I think it's 900cc or something. Might be wrong, so don't take my word for it. But yeah, I really like that. Hi- I really like that Hypermotard. It's it's actually a very, very pleasant bike. It's just it's nice, isn't it? It's a usable bike. Uh, speaking of Tim Rohde, he's recently took a uh, Triumph Scrambler 1200XE green laning, and he's put a video on his YouTube channel. Um, Tim Rohde rides motorcycles, so go check that out. 
recommend it because it's quite funny. And uh, at one point, he nearly loses it, and the triumph nearly ended up on the ground, which is not ideal. Far from ideal, actually. The 2021 BMW R9T has been revealed with cool tech and four riding modes. Now, I want to know what you all think of motorcycles, all these new modes and stuff, because... You know, a lot of motorcycles is a case of start and go. It's not like sport mode, comfort mode, like you get in most cars these days. So I'd like to hear what you think, actually. Do you like all this new ride mode stuff and tech? And I know that some motorbikes have got cruise control and lane assist and stuff like that. What do you think of it? Personally, I'm partly against it. Some tech is nice, but you do just go over the top. I mean, a motorcycle is meant to be you and the bike not you and a load of electronic gubbins. It's just not right, really. But, yeah, I'd like to hear your thoughts, actually. Email in, thepistonpodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear your thoughts. Uh, the Ducati, uh, we've just read that, sorry. Um, what else has been going on? Um, you have a chance to win a KTM MotoGP bike. It's cheaper than you think. Now, this is, I get all this news uh, off Drive Tribe, so go check that out. Very, very good news. And I'm on the motorcycle category, so I'm just reading from there. Um, it's a place I spend a lot of my time on. Um, how can you win a KTM MotoGP bike? God, can you imagine owning one of them? I don't even know if they're road legal, you know. But yeah, that's quite weird. Uh, check behind the sofa, break open the kids' piggy bank, and remortgage the house. KTM has two of its RC16 MotoGP bikes for sale. For your £260,000, you don't just get a 270 brake horsepower, 20,000 RPM missile that Paul Espargaro used to qualify on the front row and earn eight top ten finishes. KTM will also throw in a full set of Paul Espargaro race leathers. Uh, I'm saying that completely wrong. Paul Espargaro, there we go, not Espargaro. Uh, assigned Espargaro race helmet, there we go. A VIP, very important person, MotoGP event pack for any 2021 event. So the experience includes a behind the scenes tour, a meet and greet with the MotoGP. Uh, riders, and a full set of Red Bull KTM factory racing team wear. It also includes a weekend access to Red Bull's energy station unit without, with, sorry, full catering and refreshment options. Wow. So you could win it, apparently. Um, uh, for, for what? £260,000? Uh, I, I don't think that's what you pay to enter the competition, because otherwise that's a bit absurd. But yeah, <laughs> read up on that a bit more if you're interested. Um, very, very confusing to get your head around. And uh, hard, to pronou- hard to pronounce, which is the case with a lot of motorbikes these days. You just can't actually can't pronounce them. Um, there's a new uh, Triumph Trident 660. Now, I saw this on Instagram, and I've got to say, it's a pretty beautiful bike. Um, so basically, it's a Porsche Learner legal roadster, and it's a threat to the Yamaha MT-07 and Honda CB650R. This Trident 660, 660cc, obviously, I'm guessing. I'm trying to act clever here. But yeah, it's absolutely stunning. It looks really, really nice. It's elegant. If you were to see one parked up against a wall or something, you would know. Yeah, you'd think it was actually something really quite special. It looks very special. And to be honest, it looks really quite nippy, which is good. Is there any more facts? So... Uh, apparently, it's a howl to newbie riders for just £7,195. The 2021 Trident is powered by a new 660cc three-cylinder engine, packing 81 horsepower and 64 newton metres of torque. 
Now, that's interesting because my friend Matthew, who is not into motorcycles, would look at that and he'd go, well, 81 horsepower, that's nothing, because he's used to cars. But on a motorbike, 81 horsepower is quite a lot because obviously it's all down to power to weight ratios with motorbikes, not about horsepower. Because you can slap a hundred, not a hundred, a thousand horsepower into a motorcycle. It's probably impossible, but it'd be impossible to ride, even if you could do it. It's just impossible, because of how much it weighs. What, 200, 300 kilos? It's ridiculous. So, it can be restricted, so it's legal for learners under the UK's A2 license rules and Australia's LAM, which is the Learner Approved Motorcycle Scheme. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good news for new motorcycle riders. Um, yeah, it actually looks really, really handsome. Uh, it's basically a sit-up and bag naked bike, whatever that is, topped off by a handsome 7-inch all-LED headlight. So yeah, that's really, really nice. Any more boffinry stuff? It's, it gets aluminium handlebar yokes, tampered aluminium bars, teardrop-shaped mirrors, and a sculptured 14-litre tank. Whoa. It does look really sexy. Go search it up. Triumph Trident 660. It's really, really nice. I like it. Probably one of my favourite learner motorcycles about, even though it's probably out of the league for learner motorcycles. It's still quite expensive for a motorcycle. Um, what else has been going on? Uh, Bradley Smith is to replace... Um, Sorry, Bradley Smith is to be replaced by Lorenzo Savordi, Savadori there we go, for the rest of 2021. This is in the MotoGP uh, series. I've been looking at MotoGP highlights on Twitter. Quite a few crashes. But the difference is, right, with football, you get kicked in the shin. Footballers cry on the floor, scream for VAR, and scream for any recognition they can get, any sympathy and all sorts of stuff like that. Get sent off to hospital super quickly, in like the back of a Bentley Mulzan or something like that. With motorcycles, they can crash at 200 miles an hour, roll across the floor, and they can get up and eat a sandwich and get head back on track. It's utterly phenomenal. And they're tough people, motorcycle racers. Back in August, I went to Alton Park to see the uh, club motorcycle racing with uh, no limits. There's no limits track days. And I filmed a YouTube video, actually. Go check it out on my channel, which should be on my Twitter, Daniel Carzo 5 probably. Go find it somewhere there. Um, or just Daniel Actors, that's what it's called. But I am looking for a rebrand. We'll talk about that at the end. Um, but yeah, MotoGP and motorcycle racing is an incredible thing. You see all of them race by. They do little drifts around corners and wheelies. And it's really, it must be really scary. I mean... I found out after I went to see the racing back in August that one of the racers was a 15-year-old girl um, on a racing motorcycle doing, you know, three-digit speeds, going around harsh corners. Oldson Park is... It can be quite res can be quite scary. But honestly, that is so, so phenomenal. It just really shows how tough these motorcyclists are, really. Um, let's do one piece of car news. Not car news, sorry. Motorcycle news. See, I'm trying, I'm tricking myself now. Uh, and then we'll go on to some other bits and bobs. Motorrad, which is BMW's motorcycle name thing, which is motorbike, uh, brings updated R90 and new R18 Classic Tourer down under. So a quarter one, uh, quarter one of 2021 is, that's hard to read, is going to be huge for BMW Motorrad uh, with the arrival of an updated R9T and the launch of a much-hyped R18 Classic. 
They look nice. Very, very nice. Like a German Harley, in a way. So, yeah. We're going to put motorcycle news aside, because I think we should just do some piston discussion, because that's always fun. Warms the podcast up, makes it a bit more personal, which is also really, really nice. Now, until this year, 2020, I'd never actually been on a motorcycle on the road. I'm talking about at the back. I've never ridden one myself yet. That might change in the future. Hopefully. Hint, hint, granddad. <laughs> but yeah, um, basically, in the past, I've been to steam rallies and stuff with my granddad and my cousins. And he's had old BSAs and stuff like that. Um, and I've been on the back of a, these BSAs at shows and stuff like that. But... I've never actually been on a motorcycle on the road. Now, at the start of this year, just before the lockdown, my granddad treated himself. Uh, he sold his old BMW um, something or other. See? I'm not too good. And he swapped it for a Triumph Bonneville America. In, it's in blue, it's an 11 reg, and it's done about, what, 5,000 miles? It's mint. It still is mint. And he's done more miles in it in just under a year than it has done in nine years. It's quite incredible. I've been on the back of that bike about two times now, I think. It's very, very nice. Really nice motorcycle. And, yeah, people. I think people sort of doubt motorcycles until they go on one. I mean, I've sort of... I've not hated them, but I've never really been interested in them in my life. I mean, both my parents had motorbikes years ago. My dad had an R1100 um, BMW, and my mum had a Kawasaki Ninja, something or other. Uh, that was before I was born, but yeah. And I've never been remotely interested. I've always thought, oh, that's pretty. But I've never actually been like, oh, I love motorcycles. Until this year. Don't know why. Honestly, I can't answer that. But it's just something that I've recently got, got into, I suppose. And Motorcycles are very different from cars. And they don't deserve all of the grilling they get from car enthusiasts. Because they're actually very fun. And people say, oh, they're dangerous. They're dangerous if you don't ride them properly. Because they're actually more capable than you think. So there we go. Right, it's time for the Piston Podcast Pick of the Week. Normally this would be a car, but no, it's not, because it's all motorcycles in this podcast. And you know what? It has to be a special motorcycle. This is a special motorcycle. I'm going to say it now. The Honda Super Cub. Everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say the Honda Super Cub. Even if you're not interested in automotive stuff at all, you will know the Honda Super Cub. It's basically the motorcycle equivalent of the Beetle. You can say to anybody, Volkswagen Beetle, and they will instantly know what you're on about. And this is the same with the Honda Super Cub. It's just, it's an iconic bike, and quite a lot of them have been built, as it turns out, which we'll get onto in a bit. So, some quick specs. These are mixed and matched. I've not uh, picked a specific variant, specific year. This is just sort of varied. So, price. It ranges between £2,000 and £4,000. Now, some of the classic ones from like the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and the 80s, they go for about two grand, three grand. The newer ones, because they still make them today, yes, that's right. Like, what? what is it? 62 years on, they still make it. It's quite phenomenal. Um, they're probably a bit more, about 4,000 touching that. So they're pretty affordable. But to be honest, for the bike it is, it's probably a bit too much. But they have to sort of raise the price because they really don't sell a great deal with other motorcycles and so the engine you could pick between a 49cc and it'll go right through to 124cc so the honda super cub c50 i think it's called could be ridden by 16 year olds because it was a 50cc bike so it's classed as a scooter the more powerful 124ccs are sort of you know for 18 year olds motorcycle license i think might be wrong though that's just my guess 
But personally, I like the C50s because they're just classic. They're very slow, but they're just classic. Brake horsepower is around 4.5 brake horsepower, which is pretty dismal. Uh, but don't worry, because Honda nowadays have learnt from their dismal horsepower figures. And now the new Honda Super Cub is it's just a bullet. It really is. Forget that Triumph um, Trident I just talked about. The new Super Cub, it has 9.5 brake horsepower. Wowzers. Really, really nice. But then again... You don't need a lot of horsepower, because that's not what this bike's about. It's not a racer, it's not really a cruiser, it's just a commuter, really. A bit like my vintage bicycle, my Triumph Roadster from 1958. Same time as the Super Cub was made, actually, it was coincidence. It's not built for speed, it's just from A to B bike, really. A bit like the Beetle's not built for speed. That's a good um, comparison, really, the Beetle Super Cub. But yeah, transmission, this is where it gets interesting, because you could pick between a 3 or a 4-speed semi-automatic gearbox with a wet multi-plate centrifugal clutch. Now, this all means there was no clutch. They did it all automatically, so it is just a case of plonk it in gear and twist your handlebars, and then you're off, really. That's the beauty of a centrifugal clutch. They're very, very clever. And if you think back in the 50s and the 60s, Having a centrifugal clutch was a bit like, let me try and describe this, having a colour television when they first came out. It was quite quite credible, really. Incredible engineering from Honda. Torque is around £7.7 pound foot. Yeah, not too bad. MPG, the new Super Cub from 2019. You ready for this? 126 MPG. Now, um, let's go into some economy figures uh, in terms of CO2, because this is where it gets interesting. The new Super Cub emits 61 grams of CO2 emissions per kilometre, compared to a G-Wiz, an electric car, not a very good one, 64 grams per kilometre. I think it's a hybrid, actually. I don't know. But that just proves, really, this Super Cub, which is probably a bit smoky and a bit ropey, is actually better for the planet than this G-Wiz. There we go. 0 to 60 for this bike is a bit of a mystery, really, because they do really struggle to hit 60. Probably be a few minutes. And I'm, I'm being serious at this point. It's probably quite slow. Top speed, the new one is around 60. You'd probably struggle, though. The old one is probably about 30 or 40. Maybe a bit higher if you're lucky. But they are very slow. Because it's a commuter. You're not going to take it on the motorway, because after all, they probably weren't very popular when it first came out. It is just a town bike to get you to school and back to take you to your work, to take you to the shop, to deliver newspapers and stuff. That's what it was. It was a town bike. So you've got to remember that when I'm talking about this. It weighs between 55 and 90 kilos, depending on which one you actually got. So, um, other info. Now, this is where it gets interesting, because it gets quite um, quite interesting for the boffins like myself. So it's actually the best-selling vehicle ever made. Now, that is a big statement, and it was made in 15 countries. So, we like to take a guess how many of these were built. Considering, you know, the Beetle, there's about 15, 20 million of them, something like that. Um, which is a lot. It's known as the best-selling car of all time. Because that is quite a big figure. We like to guess the Honda Super Cub. The motorcycle for the people. That's what I'm calling it. We like to guess. I'll give you a second. No, you're incorrect. I'm just going to go up in the charts. In 2008, there were 60 million Super Cubs made. In 2014, this upped from 60 million to 87 million. As of 2017, 100 million Super Cubs were on the road or in the garages, whatever. And that was three years ago. So if you look at the rate, that was probably 13 
million Super Cubs made in the space of three years. So it's probably upped itself to about 115 million now in 2020, just as an estimate of how it's been going up. That is really, really incredible. It could even be more, 120 million, 125 million. That is a lot. That is a lot of Super Cubs, and it really deserves to be selling that much because it's a bike for the people, isn't it? It's created in 1958, although the research began in 1956, eight years after Honda, you know, was founded. So quite a quite an interesting investment for Honda. The engine mandate was simple. It had to have at least four brake horsepower, and it did that. 4.5 horsepower, really powerful. Um, the Super Cub ads actually featured in women's women's magazines. Now this is obviously quite big news because back when it was made, you know, gender stereotyping was quite big unfortunately um things have changed nowadays but for a woman to be riding a motorcycle back then was quite unusual um so for a super cub to be advertised in a women's magazine was probably a bit strange back then to be honest now today it seemed quite normal i mean you see a lot of women and a lot of men probably equally riding motorcycles but back then it was mostly men so this was quite big news and it really signified a change in motoring for the people Rivals, I've written none because really nothing can rival the Super Cub because after all it is the most it's the best selling motorcycle of all time, so really nothing rivals it. Pros and cons, pros, it's the bike of the people. It's cheap to maintain because there's so many of them, so there's so many parts. And it's easy to ride. Centrifugal clutch, it's twist and go, really. And you've got your gears, but it's it's really quite simple. I'd like to ride one one day actually. Cons, it's slow in today's standards, it's noisy. It's kind of dangerous as well, because slow motorcycles, this is my problem with scooters, they're slow, and you can't really get away from danger quick enough, I don't think. And they're a bit wobbly as well, and probably a bit bit scruffy. But, yeah, that, that's the only cons, really, and they're the pros. So, yeah, to be honest, it's really good. I'm going to give it a Piston Podcast rating of 5 out of 5. This has possibly been the longest review I've ever done on the podcast, but it's just such a special bike, it needs this long segment. But there we go. Now, Top Gear boffins will remember that in the Top Gear Vietnam special in about 2007-2008 time, when they went to Vietnam, um, Richard Hammond went on a Minx Russian motorcycle or something like that. Uh, Jeremy Clarkson was on a Vespa from Italy. I've actually got a Vespa wheel under my bed, which is weird. I got it from a steam rally. It was £10, but I offered 5 I got it. Epic. Um, and James May was on a Honda Super Cub, and it was amazing. It was the only one that didn't break, because... Funnily enough, they're actually very reliable, unless you, you know, going up a mountain like you're in Vietnam, um, where they do sort of slow down to a halt, and then you're pushing it up a hill, let's face it. But yeah, they're actually very bulletproof. Now, let's move away from the Honda Super Cub. It is amazing, but we've got to move away from it at some point, because it's time for a top 10 list. Now, I've dipped, or I've ditched Autocar this week, because I've gone onto a website, and I can tell you the website is drivespark.com and I've gone to the top 10 greatest motorcycles of all time. Now I'm not just going to read them, I'm going to read them along with a fact. I know, that's quite incredible. So top 10 greatest motorcycles at number 10 is the Bimota Tessie 3D. So in our list of the top 10 greatest motorcycles ever built, at number 10 comes from the Bimota Tessie 3D. So just one look at the bike is enough to let people understand the amount of work put into the design. The hub-centred steering and pull shock fork are the best parts. It may not handle as good as a regular fork, but it's served its purpose. A Ducati engine powers the Tessie 3D. It's actually quite a beautiful bike. It looks unusual. 
really, it looks like a bit like a gazelle in a way. It's just very tall and very stated, let's say that. But if I'm honest, I've never heard of it. Uh, <laughs> Anima 9 is the Yamaha YZF R7. So, the Yamaha R7 was a really interesting motorcycle. Um, this was a proper race-spec motorcycle that had 749cc four-cylinder motor. The interesting part, though, in spite of the big engine, the R7 produced only 100 horsepower. Same as a Fiat Panda, but we're not going to mention that because cars are irrelevant. Um, but when the unused bank of fuel inject injectors were activated, the motorcycle peaked 135 horsepower. The chassis is twice as stiff as the R1s, and the engine sports 20 titanium valves and nickel-plated forged pistons. Only 500 of these motorcycles were ever made. There you go. Very, very special motorcycle indeed. And number 8 is the Aprilla. Uh, RS250. So the RS250 was designed by Aprilla's Aprilla to reassemble the company's GP250 bike to celebrate the success in the MotoGP championship. Uh, the RS250 features race-orientated motorcycle um, with technology derived from Aprilla's racing experience. That's interesting. Actually, has an instrument panel, digital, that gave the rider a variety of information. Interesting. And number seven is the Honda RC30. So the Honda, are you ready for this, VFR750R, or better known as the Honda RC30, had a 748cc 16-valve V4 engine, so four-cylinder in a V-shape, that produced 76 horsepower at 9,500 RPM. The motorcycle was designed to take part in the World Superbike Championship by the Honda Racing Corporation, the HRC. At number six, if my computer would load up, it's being a bit dismal today, unfortunately. Not too good. At number six is the Moto Guzzi V8, uh, which built for racing during 1958 to 1967 for the Moto Guzzi Grand Prix team. I'm probably saying that completely wrong. It's probably Moto Guzzi or something like that. I'm saying it a bit depressingly guzzy. So the bike had a 499cc V8 liquid-cooled engine that produced 78 horsepower at 12,000 RPM and gave the bike a top speed of 172 mile an hour. For the overseas listeners, 280 kilometers per hour. Really, really incredible. Um, what else? At number five is the Ducati. You ready for this? Got to try and pronounce it now. It's a very fun game. The Desmos DC RR. So, the Ducati Desmos DC RR is a limited production road legal version of the MotoGP bike. Only 1,500 Desmos DC models were ever made. So, the bike had a V4 double L twin, um, twin pulse firing order, liquid cooled, DOHC, which uh, is. I don't know. Desmodromic, four titanium valves per cylinder, and gear-driven camshafts. The motorcycle produced 197 horsepower at 13,800 RPM. It's very—it's it's so much of a mouthful to, you know, talk about these motorcycles because there's just so many facts. At number, do you know what? I'm actually getting—I'm I'm losing track now. And number four is the Vincent Black Shadow. Now, Top Gear fans will remember actually Richard Hammond drove one. Um, in Top Gear many moons ago when they did that race back to the 1940s. And number four of the greatest motorcycles ever built was the Vincent Black Shadow. Less than 1,700 Vincent Black Shadows were, ad were ever made, and they were all hand-built. And it was an, in it was an innovative, innovative bike. There we go. I can't read today. It has stressed 
It had a stressed engine and lots of aluminium, and it also held the title of fastest production bike in the late 60s. Incredible. Really, really nice bike. At number three is the Suzuki RG500 Gamma. I like the word Gamma. This reminds me of the Lancia, a very special car. Entering the final three spots of our countdown, at number three is the Suzuki RG50 Gamma, which was built between 1985 and 1987, two years. Inspired by the 1984 Suzuki RG500 Gamma Grand Prix motorcycle, the two-stroke rotary valve twin-crank square-four engine displaced 498cc and had a power output of 93 horsepower. Very, very nice bike indeed. And number two, it's a very special bike actually, it's the BMW R32. Now when my parents went to Italy a few years ago, they saw an R32 in the road. Uh, not just dumped, you know, parked up. It's a very, very rare bike, and it's really special. If you scroll back on my Instagram, like, you know, a year ago, then you'll probably see a picture. Um, the BMW R32 is the first motorcycle produced by BMW. Very special, because they're still making them today. After they were forced to stop building aircrafts after the war, they started building motorcycles. A lot of people know that. The R32 was the first boxer twin shaft-driven motorcycle, which laid the foundation for BMW to use until now. Very special bike indeed. And number one, for the greatest motorcycle, this is the greatest motorcycle of all time apparently, is the Honda NR, which in, you know, teenage world, probably stands for Honda No Replies. Um, only teenagers probably get that. So, the Honda NR was a motorcycle that could put Ferraris to shame. It was a futuristic design with full carbon fibre bodywork and its exhausts tucked under the tail section. Ducati is still being blamed for its copying for copying this design. It God, it's so beautiful. Really, really beautiful. So, let's talk about the engine, because it's number one. Apart from the exterior, the engine was a marvel as well. The NR had oval pistons, which allowed eight valves per cylinder, and connecting two con rods to each piston, which literally made it a V8 engine. It was one of the most expensive bikes to be sold during its production run. And even till date, the rarity has added to its value. It's a really, really incredible bike. A lot of them are incredible as well. They're, they're just all so special, otherwise they wouldn't be in the list, I suppose. Now, it's time for My Way or Highway. This is the road where you could take your favourite motorcycle, or even the Super Cub if you're brave, which sounds quite fun. And this week, I suppose we haven't done it yet, to be honest, it's the NC500, which is the North Coast 500. 500 miles long, or 830 kilometres. It starts and ends in Inverness, so it basically loops around the north coast of Scotland. 500 miles. Uh, it was launched in 2015, and it's very, very popular. So make sure you get your season right. Um, see, there's not many midges and not many annoying caravanists and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's a nice place to go if you have a motorbike and a tent, probably. Or do it in one day. Probably tie you out a bit, though. Um, but, yeah, that would actually be quite fun on a Super Cub, I reckon. Do you know NC500 on a Super Cub? I mean, James May did nearly 100 miles in Vietnam on a Super Cub, so it must be possible. Over a few days, obviously. Um, otherwise, it'd probably explode. So, there we go. I think we've just got through an entire podcast without mentioning a car, apart from the Fiat Panda. But, you know, that sort of has to be mentioned every week. So, I hope you've enjoyed this sort of motorcycle special. If you do want to see more, then let me know at DanielCars05. Leave me your feedback. And I'll be able to see the stats as well um, tomorrow when this podcast is out on the Monday. Um, I'll be able to see how many people downloaded it and stuff. So I'm interested to see how many bikers um, are attracted to the Piston podcast from now on because there probably will be more bikes in future. So I do hope you enjoyed. Do stay safe. And I will see you in the future for another podcast. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to follow me on Daniel Cos 
on social media at DanielCarzo5. There we go. And I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. You're listening to the Piston Podcast, the motoring podcast for the motoring enthusiasts, presented by me, Daniel Axerhouse. Listen whilst folding washing, doing your day-to-day commute, or even whilst you're faffing around trying to change your exhaust. Whatever you're doing, I promise to make your day a little less boring, with some fun and interesting motor talk. Anyway, engage launch control, it's time for the Piston Podcast.